This is Growth Masters. The show for CEOs, CMOs, and anyone wanting to keep up with what's new in the world of business, marketing, and tech. You're in conversation with Robert Tadros. Hello, and welcome to the Growth Masters podcast. I'm your host, Robert Tadros. Joining me on the show today is Derek Wills, the Managing Director at EMX. Derek has spent 15 years of his career within the digital advertising space, devising and implementing successful digital marketing campaigns for direct brands and media agencies across the UK and Australia. For the last few years, Derek has been based here in Melbourne, setting up the EMX business in APAC. I can't wait to get him on the show. Derek, welcome. Derek, welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much for having me, Rob. It's very good to have you here. I know you and uh, you and Mark go way back. Yeah, a good few years. Um, how, how, do you, how do you know each other? Uh, when I first moved over from the UK to set up um, Rocket Fuel, uh, performance DSP in market, oh, yeah. um, Mark worked at our prospect and was one of my clients. Ah, there you go. <laughs> and then you both got into the uh, programmatic space. Yeah, so Rocket Fuel was um, programmatic, so obviously he was at the agency side. And so we were basically um, looking after them, providing them performance solutions. And then Mark left and went to the dark side went and joined uh, <laughs> the programmatic uh, technology side. And then, um, yeah, we became fren- frenemies. Yeah, there you go. And now you're running Engine Media Exchange. Correct, EMX, yep. Yeah, tell me a little bit more. Sure. So EMX itself uh, stands for Engine Media Exchange. So we're part of the Engine Group. And the group itself consists of 16 companies globally. Um, Head offices are in Chicago and New York. And EMX itself is a combination of two companies that kind of formed under the Engine umbrella. One being an SSP business, so a supply-side platform, which pretty much is around about the eighth largest SSP globally. So what that does is looks after uh, publishers' inventory, so monetizes their inventory on behalf of publishers. So we've got about 18,000 different direct publishers that we look after globally. And then on the DSP side of things uh, was Clearstream, which basically looked after and, and provided video DSP technology. Uh, which is one of the um, strengths that we have here in Australia. And they basically formed together to create EMX, so a full suite solution. Yeah, awesome. Um, so I guess just for our listeners, right, just to, I guess, unpack that a little bit more, yep. right, probably uh, unpack, I guess, the programmatic space. Of course. Um, can you, you know, I know there's some names that have been thrown around as far as like some DSPs and some platforms, you know, Quadcast, which is where Mark came from yep. and, and so on. Can you give us a little bit more, uh, I guess, insights into the industry? Absolutely. So the industry itself is <laughs> very full <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to to name it politely. So we within industry, um, within programmatic space, you need a number of different elements, a number of different companies and connections to actually run a programmatic campaign. Mm. So obviously, from the point of having an advertiser, an advertiser uses a marketing agency. And uh, from a marketing agency to access programmatic inventory, you require a DSP. Mm. So a DSP is a demand side platform. It's basically a piece of technology that allows you to connect to an open marketplace um, and then fit on inventory when it becomes available. But a DSP requires an ad exchange, which is the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, you have a number of marketplaces, such as Google Ad Exchange, mm-hmm. uh, Nexus, and a number of others. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that marketplace acts as an eBay. So when an impression becomes available on a, on a site, so when you go into a, a publisher's website, mm-hmm. right? so it can be anything, so whether it's Hotmail, The Guardian, The Times, you name it, the time it takes for that ad to actually load on the page, an ad, rec- an ad call is made to the exchange. In live, like live In real time. time. Real time. In yeah. real time. So that the time it takes for that page to load, an ad call is made to the exchange. The exchange then opens up to every single DSP, including Quancast and EMX and a number of others, and says, this impression has become available. 
who wants to bid on it? Mm -hmm. And in that time, everyone basically looks at the impression and we use things like unique identifiers, things like device ID, geo coordinates, IP address, and cookie-based information to identify whether or not this individual or this device is something we want to target. Uh -huh. And if it is, then we basically put forward a bid on what we're willing to pay for it. It's a very simple process. The largest bid wins the impression. Yeah. So the exchange will turn around and say, congratulations, Emacs, you've won the bid, serve your ad and pay for it. And that entire process from the bid becoming available to an ad actually being served takes 800 milliseconds. Wow. And as you can imagine, there are trillions of impressions every single day. It's like the stock market. Exactly. <laughs> it's very, very similar to the stock market. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of fraud within the mm. industry too. So that's when people basically use um, companies like IS, Integral Ad Science, Moat, dedicated companies that actually help DSPs determine what is good versus what is bad. Without mentioning any names, I know there was a bit of a, uh, there's a couple of names that hit the media a few years back. Oh yes. Around yeah. some, uh, around fraud. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the biggest ones was the content within YouTube, mm. for example. So basically, you know, ads being served Big brands, ads being served against things like um, terrorism content yeah. and racism content and so forth, which is that became a massive issue. So with ourselves, we make sure that we leverage a lot of our own supply mm. that has already been vetted, already made 100% um, sure that it's 100% brand safe for our clients. And then ultimately, we also access third-party um, premium content, if you will, um, things like Bivot, 7, 9, 10, SBS, uh -huh. stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where, where do you see, I guess, programmatic is kind of fairly kind of a new space? Right? I mean, I know it's been around for the long. Digital is very new, right? Exactly. In, in the scheme of things. Where do you typically see... I guess programmatic fit into an overall strategy or into a, into a customer journey, if you like, right? Does it play a part in brand awareness or can we pull it into, you know, further down the funnel? Where do you think it's on? It sort of sits in. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's pivotal. Yeah. So end of the day, it plays, it plays key roles in the entire funnel process. So when you think about digital and specifically programmatic, I'll give an example. So when we talk about BVOD um, at the moment, right? Linear TV, big broadcasters such as 7, 9 yes. and 10, for example, and BVOD, same content, same devices, 55% of audiences in Australia right now consume linear TV, content through linear TV. 45% wow. consume that same content, but through their apps within the TV. Uh -huh. So when you think about actually creating brand around your products and actually creating awareness, consideration, uplift, front of mind, it is absolutely pivotal to make mm. sure that you're not just putting budget into TV, that you're also giving it a fresher voice within Pivot. But ultimately, it's one of these things where programmatic is everything from video, mobile, display. And when we kind of look at it and break each piece as a puzzle, you pretty much look at things like um, display retargeting display, personalized creatives and so forth as kind of the low bottom uh, funnel. So low hanging fruit, basically making sure that you can target people in a cost efficient manner mm -hmm. and serve audiences with ads based on that are personalized based on what their experience has been on a client's website. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Specifically retail, perfect example. Yeah. Someone comes to a retail website, looks at a couple of different products, maybe even adds them into a basket and then leaves. You want to make sure you're not just hitting that user with a generic ad. Mm -hmm. You want to hit them with that specific product with a promotion or something that's going to entice them to come back to the site and convert. And that's where display plays an extremely important role. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then obviously a little bit further up in the funnel, you've got things like pre-roll. So pre-roll is a fantastic way. It's kind of mid-range between display and BVOD in terms of the actual cost factor. So at the end of the day, it's a very cost-effective way to build consideration brand while also driving an element of ROI. Mm -hmm. But end of the day, it's not pure performance. It's things like completion rates and viewability, which are the main KPIs, so i.e. reach and frequency. You want to hit as many people as possible with a controlled frequency so that you're creating awareness and engagement, but in a cost-effective manner. And then ultimately at the top of the funnel, you've got things like out of digital, out of, out of home, mm -hmm. radio, linear TV, BVOD, 
the high premium impact environments that really basically get into, they give you 100% share of voice. Yes. Right. So if you think about a pre-roll ad on a desktop, you've got a very small share of voice on that screen. Whereas you think about something like a BVOD ad or linear TV ad, you've got 100% share of voice. Mm -hmm. And you're typically not reaching one-to-one -one users, you're reaching at least two to three people in a, in a household. Yes, that's right. So are you, are you seeing budgets being moved around from traditional media into like the programmatic space, you know, like where a TV budget could have been X amount of million. Now that's, you know, slowly, slowly being moved into more of a programmatic channel. Absolutely. I mean, especially last year with COVID hitting, you know, Melbourne and Sydney and Australia in general so hard with the lockdown. Everyone's <laughs> consuming media, right? Exactly. Yeah. Everyone's consuming video media. Mm. Everyone's consuming the, the numbers for BVOD skyrocketed almost 300% last year. Wow. So when we have a look at actually how that's grown and it stayed consistent. So it's not like people basically consumed BVOD through the roof last year and then all of a sudden they reverted back to their old means. They are still consuming BVOD. Mm. So last year, beginning last year, the consumption was pretty much around 65-35% and now it's 55-45. So it was a massive change. Yeah. And when people look, when we look at industry and um, averages and industry's data from the IAB and Think TV and so forth, we can actually see that majority of people who consume linear TV are now 45 plus. And the audience that consume BVOD are under that, 25 plus. So there's almost like this big behavioral shift Absolutely. in the market, and it's probably thanks to COVID. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> actually, big, big uh, portion is thanks to COVID, definitely. Yeah. But it also comes down to the addressability. Yes. So with linear TV, you've, you're very limited on who you can target, how you can target them, and so forth. BVOD offers you a way of being able to target audiences using digital behavior, using digital data, and ultimately being able to actually measure the impact that your mm -hmm. activities had. Much granular segmentation, right? And Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. And where, where's the future of programmatic? Oh, where's it heading? Well, that's that's a big topic. So obviously right now, the, the big buzzwords in the industry right now is death of the cookie, for example. Mm. So death of the cookie is a massive talking point right now with companies like Apple completely removing cookies off any of their devices. So a lot of companies that heavily rely on cookies, like third-party data companies and a, number of, and a couple of DSPs, they're, they really have to shift the entire models to move away from a cookie-based model or dropping a one-by-one -one tracker on a user's browser to now determining how they're going to identify users without that. Mm. Um, and then you've got Google. So Google, towards the end of the year, within Chrome, is not going to allow any, any third-party cookies. Yeah, that's right. So a lot of different companies are trying to come up with unique identifiers and unique um, unique measurements and unique um, ways of being able to identify a user, not just on site A, but across every single site that they've been to, to create a profile and a model of who that audience looks like and the best way of actually engaging with them. So if you imagine, it's easy for an individual um, partner, let's say Woolworths, mm. right? Or Coles, with yeah. flyby station. It's easy for them to turn around and say, okay, great, well, this user's bought XYZ from our store. We know that because we can associate the unique ID as the email address, Yes. right? But how does anyone else know that that user there who's been on site XYZ is the same user without mm -hmm. a cookie. So this is where the big topic point right now is because every company is trying to develop their own unique IDs without relying on cookies, none of it talks to each other. Which arguably then the guys like Coles and Woolies and Target and Kmart, those, those, those big retailers have probably got more of a strategic point. Absolutely. An edge than, than everybody else because they have very rich data that they can use. Exactly. So when it comes to purchase, past purchase data, oh, Nothing's better than that. I even heard, I don't know if this is a rumor, but apparently Woolies or Coles are starting their own media or publishing company. Yes. So <laughs> Woolies has. They basically have started their own um, third-party programmatic company uh -huh, um, okay. that basically allows, um, and for the life of me, the name excludes um, yeah, me right I can't now. Remember either. <laughs> um, but basically they're using someone like LiveRamp to connect the Woolies data to online 
profile data. Uh -huh. So you can actually approach them and they can sell directly to brands, directly to partners, um, but actually monetize it without relying on third-party companies like Quantum and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, Flybys have kind of been doing the same thing for a while, um, but they, I think that they're doing their slightly less sophisticated because they're still using a lot of cookie-based data. Mm -hmm. Do you think this will throw a bit of a, um, I guess, a spanner in the in, in the works as far as the trajectory that the, the the space is on at the moment? I definitely think it will because it's going to create a lot of a lot of wall gardens scenarios. Yes. So you're going to have a lot of wall gardens that are basically going to be a number of publishers coming together, deciding that to agree on using the same methodology around unique identifiers. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to have the Googles of the world. You're going to have the Facebooks of the world, the mm -hmm. link, LinkedIn's, who are not going to talk to each other and say, okay, great, well, we'll go with your approach. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be standalones. So the problem we're going to have is that you're going to have to turn around as an advertiser and decide, okay, great, no longer am I going to split my budget from YouTube, BVOD, social. Now it's going to be turning around saying, okay, great, well, now I've got no choice but to choose one or two partners mm -hmm. because my reporting is not going to be able to measure everything. Yes, 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 which is going to be critical, especially for us, like even as an agency, to be able to understand what that mix looks like and then be able to slice and dice it accordingly. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a massive issue in the industry at the moment. And even someone like the IAB is trying to get multiple publishers together to kind of create an industry standard. Mm. And even if we take 150, 200 of the biggest publishers in Australia, or let's say globally for, for that example, and get them together to all agree on using a very specific methodology around unique identifiers, that's fantastic. Mm. But they still don't compete against people like Facebook that's and Google, right? right? They're, they're still in, in kind of the league of their own type of thing. Yeah. And I wonder like how far ahead right now Google and Facebook are, or LinkedIn, right? Oh, massive. I mean, they've, they've been working on first-party data from day one. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of their targeting capabilities, yes, have been um, very much cookie-led, but for them, they've already got all the email addresses. They've already got unique identifiers. So as long as they comply with things, with things like GDPR, yes. um, then they'll be absolutely fine. Okay. Let's shift gears a little bit, right? So EMX works with a lot of partner agencies. Yes. Yeah. What's your selection criteria? You know, how do you, how do you, you know, I guess, siphon the good and the bad? Oh, <laughs> very good question. <laughs> So we very much position ourselves as an independent agency specialist. Yep. Um, so the reason for that is that we find that with a lot of the bigger agencies and global agencies, there's, there's a lot of politics and a lot of mandates involved. Yes. So unless you offer a self-service solution, which EMX doesn't, um, and unless you're a preferred partner, it doesn't matter how good your product or technology is, you don't really get a foot in the door. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, rather than wasting a lot of resources and time and effort, what we decided to do was actually focus on agencies that actually put the clients first. So go to working with agency partners who take the client's objectives and ultimately with their best interests put the first mm -hmm. and are completely agnostic with technologies that they use. And ultimately, if the product that we're offering, if partner A is offering versus partner B, partner A is the one that actually gets the business. Mm -hmm. And for us, that's kind of what where we want to position ourselves because we are part of a larger group that has its own market research company, we can actually offer a lot of added value to a lot of brands within independent agencies that they typically can't get because it costs too much. Mm. So things like market research. So using someone like a Nielsen or Cantor yes, yeah. or Mel Brown, if you wanted to run any form of brand of study on the back of your digital campaign with them, you'd be looking at a minimum of $10,000 just for standardized. Easy. Exactly. Yeah. Now, if you think about an, a, a brand, if they've got a $20,000 video campaign, to turn around and ask them to pay an extra 50% on measurement with mm. no guarantees on how many respondents they're going to get or the kind of insights that they're going to be expecting, it's a hard pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. So ultimately what we do is we actually go to our brands and, and partners and basically say to them, okay, great, well, we'll run the, the media for you, but we'll actually provide the measurement as completely added value. Wow. Um, and yeah, and it's, it's actually gone down an absolute treat. And the reason we're able to do that is because we have our own research company as a sister company that shares the same p as us. So... So then I would, I mean, I would argue that performance agencies are probably your best friends, right? So a lot of the brand ones, good ones anyway. Exactly. <laughs> absolutely. So, I mean, this is one of the reasons why um, 
we are one of only three programmatic vendors of the IMAA, yes, so the Independent Media Agency Association of Australia. We've got something in common. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> um, so that's one of the reasons why we're, and for us, it's all about giving value back, giving something back to the independent agencies, yeah. showing them that actually they can compete against the, the, the big agencies on a level playing field. And look, and we're seeing a huge rise of indies at the moment, right? I mean, we're, exactly. we're taking on the big guys. Right? Oh, we're, absolutely. We're, we're stealing accounts from underneath them without any, them even knowing. Oh, that's right? a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's reasons for that, right? I mean, if you look, they're dinosaurs. They, they, they move very, very slow. Where if you've got an indie that comes in that's very agile and nimble, can quickly get some, some serious performance, right? And, and provide ROI back to the client. They go, well, hold on a second. How come I haven't been getting this for the last however many years? Exactly. And then they start to cut up the budget and go, all right, we're going to split our media now. We're going to get performance media over here and you guys can keep traditional. And then slowly, slowly what we're seeing is that the traditional media budgets are shrinking and moving into the digital space. Exactly. Right? And that's exactly it. I mean, for our, from our perspective, it's one of these things where we're seeing the exact same thing. So with the performance budgets moving over to independence and the bigger agencies holding the traditional budgets, it's mainly because they're buying power when it comes to TV. Correct. Um, and But that's becoming smaller and smaller because traditional TV is becoming smaller and smaller. Correct. So when it comes to buying BVOD, really, the, I mean, the, you're buying it programmatically. Mm. So if you want to apply any third-party data or any, te- any smarts to it and using proprietary technology, you co- don't really buy it directly from the broadcasters. Yeah. Yes, you can get it slightly cheaper from them, but then you're limited to running with seven, nine, and ten as an ice as a soloed effect, mm-hmm. right? And as an um, yeah, basically a silo. And the problem with that is that if your objective, like most brand campaigns, are reaching frequency, mm-hmm. you want to hit as many people as possible, right, while driving as the, the most engagement possible. The problem you have is that if you're looking at driving a a frequency of two two per user per week, right? You want your ad to be served to a user twice per per and um, per week. If you've got that frequency with seven, nine, and ten, right? That same user can be hit on seven, nine, or ten. Correct. Which means you could actually land up with a frequency of six. That's right. So by using some a programmatic solution, they can actually implement a universal frequency capping, which basically means that that user, whether they're on seven, nine, or ten, is only going to get hit twice in that week. Which basically means yes, programmatically it could be a little bit more expensive than going direct, but you're going to get almost three times the efficiency. Yeah, that's right. Exactly right. So, so with that, like, I mean, what, what's you know, what's the future of EMX? You know, where, where are you guys? What does the next twelve months look like? No, I'm exciting actually. Um, so, we are looking at launching um, a cookieless audience solution. So, right now, the biggest game changer. Oh well, this is what we think. So, right now, the biggest problem in the industry right now, from a programmatic BVOD um, point of view, is that sixty-five percent of BVOD is consumed through connected TV. Thirty-five mm-hmm. percent is consumed through mobile and desktop devices. Now, that thirty-five percent, you can use traditional cookie-based targeting for now. Right. Once the, the cookie, death of the cookie comes in, that's not even a thing. Now, the problem is if you imagine yourself a brand and you're spending $100,000 on a campaign or $50,000 on a campaign or even twenty-five grand on a campaign, and someone says to you, great, we're going to apply this targeting to your campaign, target this audience, but then they, they say to you that that is only going to be applicable to 35% of your campaign, you're going to be a bit concerned. Mm-hmm. Right? You're wasting mm-hmm. 65% on a bit of a spray and pray approach. So what we're doing is we're actually launching a product where we can actually leverage our research company um, and actually say to client brands, great, you tell us who you're your niche custom audiences, right? And we will build it for you from scratch. We'll actually survey 10 to 20,000 people in Australia and actually ask them specific questions to identify that audience as your ideal audience. And then we'll take that audience, two, three, 400 of, of them, and we'll actually model off them and then actually use that audience in your camp, your digital BVOD campaign. Back into the, yeah. Correct. And we were able to execute that campaign using no cookies. So that way the audience that we build is built for you is going to be 100% cookie-less. Like that is literally game changing. Oh, we're, we're, we're super excited about it's it. It's amazing. And, and one of the things that we've just recently done, we launched in September 2019, which is one of the reasons we had such a cracking year last year, is a cookie-less measurement solution. 
which allows us to actually measure audiences um, that have been exposed to VBOT and actually engage with them with studies and actually find out what kind of impact um, the, the campaigns have actively had from creative sentiment to ad recall, purchase consideration and so forth and so forth. And we're the first company in market to be able to do this. And we're actually working with the IAB now to create a white paper on industry averages for ben for uh, industry averages for BVOD around ben uh, ad recall benchmarks. Mm -hmm. So that, that way, when people turn around, rather than saying, how does my campaign perform? And the standard response from agencies is uh, you know, CTV, um, video completion rates, and reach and frequency. It's going to be a little more along the lines of, great, well, what is my ad recall? Uh -huh. right? How many people saw my ad? And what is the average ad recall? Because according to the benchmarks, it should be around 12 to 15%. So you're almost changing the behavior and how it's even reported on. Well, that's the idea. I mean, for me, the biggest frustration is, as you mentioned yourself, digital is relatively new in comparison to traditional media. Yeah. And you, no one would run a display performance campaign without any form of cookie and performance tracking. Yes. Right. So why run a video brand campaign, whether it's BVOD or otherwise, without any form of brand measurement? Common sense, right? Well, this is it. Common sense, not very common, but no. it's common sense. <laughs> very true, very true. Um, so that's what we really want brands and agencies to start looking at, is that, yes, it's not all about price. Yes. Right? If I can pay 15 to 20% more right, on my rate, what am I going to get for that? Am I going to get things that are going to be actionable insights? They're going to help me improve my campaign for the next campaign. Yep. They're going to help me basically you know, drive increasing consideration because there's no point spending $25,000 and no, having no idea whether or not your creative was impactful. No, there's nothing worse. Exactly. And I think one of the big things for us is going to brands and asking a brand to spend $30,000 on a campaign and then spending an additional ten dollars to $15,000 building a creative mm. without realizing, without knowing how impactful that creative is or did it actually do its job. Yeah. Most annoying thing in the world. Performance-driven creative, right? Exactly. We've run studies where we've, we've asked consumers within the campaign, what do they remember about the creative message? And the responses come back and said, bright orange background. <laughs> How is that helpful? Um, and that's, that's kind of our argument, is that there is no product recall, there's no brand recall, it's a bright orange background. Because yeah. someone thought it was a good idea to have the, the entire brand element of, of the creative to be this real standout orange. <laughs> and, and we've seen it across motor, automotive ca uh, campaigns where we would run a campaign for, uh, for brand A and they would come back and think that it was for brand B because the creators themselves were so similar. Yeah, okay. So there's things like that. Confusions. That we, yeah. Exactly. So not only can we say how BVOD and Linear TV 30-second ads performed against YouTube and social 15-second ads, but what did people remember about them? What was the frequency across the, all of it and so forth and so forth? Mate, that's like some, some amazing value there. And I guess, Derek, sort of sum it up, like what would be your, I guess your number one piece of advice for brands in this space? Oh, it's probably, I'm sure there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a but lot. If there was one key piece of you know, advice, what would that be? Don't judge your media partners based on the rates you get. Every, not everything is based on rates. Based on the value you get in and what insights and measurement you're going to get back from that to help you improve your campaign moving forward. Performance-based rather than exactly yeah, price-based. Uh, absolutely. I mean, if you're getting quality audiences that have a long, uh, longer lifetime value, mm. well, surely that's worth more than a once-off purchase. Absolutely. Absolutely. Derek, thank you very much, mate, for coming on the show. That was absolutely amazing. For all our listeners, we'll share Derek's details. In fact, how do we get in touch with you? Where do we find you? Oh, you can drop an email to Derek, D-E-R-Y-C-K dot Wills at emxdigital.com. Um, and more than happy to help you whenever you need it. Love your work, mate. Thank you very much. And thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks, Rob.